today I, I want to talk to you about a very important topic as we're talking about relationship. There, there's an aspect of life where it's very normal to life, it's endemic to human existence, but it's something that hurts us a lot. Uh, it's adversity. So I want to talk today about maturing through adversity. Everybody goes through it. Jesus said we would go through it. He said you will go through problems, through issues, through temptation, through trials, through tribulation. You will go through it. He said, but don't fear, I've already overcome it. So the overcoming spirit is already within you. So say to your neighbor, the overcoming spirit already lives within you. See, Jesus didn't shield us or hide us from that fact. We will all go through adversity. We will all go through issues. But the good thing about it is that there is a, a lot of benefit that adversity brings to us. We just don't like it. I don't like going through hard times. I don't like going through adversity. I'd rather go through comfort every day of my life. I'd rather be pampered every day of my life. But the truth of the matter is the greatest things happen under periods of adversity. If you look at history, the greatest advancements came usually out of crisis, out of adversity. The, the, the greatest relationships came out of adversity. Uh, the, the greatest uh, victories came out of adversity. Even, even uh, like for example, the greatest boxing matches are not the ones where the guy easily knocks the other guy. It was when they fought. I mean, they fought with all of their heart. At the end, one guy, you know, it comes out as the conqueror. Adversity has many good things. And I just wanted to just touch on it today. Let's go a, a moment to Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to read from the Living Bible, uh, uh, chapter 6, verse 10. And before I read that, I'm going to read another verse to you. It's, it's not on my notes, but I, just, I want you just to hear it. It's found in Psalms 119, verse 71. It says, The punishment you gave me was the best thing that could have happened to me, for it taught me to pay attention to your laws. They are more valuable to me than millions in silver and gold. The punishment you gave me or the difficulty, the affliction I went through, another version says. It was the best thing that could have happened to me. How many of you just love affliction? Amen. Glory to God. You excited for affliction? No? Okay. All right. All right. So Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. And I'm reading it from the Living Bible. Last of all, I want to remind you that your strength must come from the Lord's mighty power within you. The Lord's mighty power within you. Amen. Remember last week, the Holy Spirit, we spoke how He lives within us. He is the power. He is the hope of glory within us. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand safe against all strategies and tricks of Satan. Say that with me, all strategies. All strategies. See, when you put on God's armor, you're protected from every single strategy. For we're not fighting against people made of flesh and blood but against persons without bodies, the evil rulers of the unseen world, those mighty satanic beings, great evil princes of darkness who rule this world, and against, and against huge numbers of wicked spirits in the spirit world. And you know, it's amazing because even though it says there, we're not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, most of, most of our life we spend it fighting against people and hating people and getting angry at people. Really? But yet our true fight is not against flesh and blood. It's against these entities. 
Verse 13, so use every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy whenever he attacks. And when it is all over, you will be still standing up. Amen. Thank God for his word. In Psalms 34, 19, it says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. All. The Lord will deliver you out of all of your afflictions. Say, say to your neighbor, the Lord is aware of your afflictions. And he will deliver you. See, I don't know how he'll do it. I just know he will. He promised it. He has a myriad of ways. He has an infinite amount of ways to deliver you from uh, afflictions. So we go through many challenges in life. Yes, we do. Anybody here been through challenges lately? Anybody? Anybody? <laughs> Absolutely. Adversity and problems meet us during many seasons in our lives. However, adversity can be a positive thing. It can help us to, uh, number one, it can help us to sacrifice. Sometimes we need to learn how to sacrifice, and we won't sacrifice until we are in the midst of a difficult time. We can stretch during times of difficulty. How many of you just love stretching? <laughs> Usually when you're stretching, it's, hurt. it's hurtful, it's painful. But yet, it's amazing when you go through the process, you never again go back to the old way. You're, you're stretched, now you're, you're enhanced. You have greater wisdom and understanding. Praise God. So it changes you. It betters you. It matures you. Yes. It, it helps you to trust God. It helps you to persevere, to learn to persevere. Because what happens is when the younger we are, we don't understand the power of perseverance. We'll get upset, flustered, and we'll just walk away or we'll fight or whatever it is. But, you know, as you live life and as you go through your experience, you'll learn sometimes you just have to persevere through a thing. Amen. I remember in my younger days, man, if they gave me a hard time at work, I, I would just walk off the job. I'm serious. I would, I've walked off of great jobs. Then later on, I would realize, what in the world did I do? This was not the best course of action to take. I, I realized I, I, I should have persevered. In every victory I've had, I've always had to persevere. And at the end of that process, I've looked back and I said, wow, I'm glad I stuck this one out. Because this thing is giving me some good fruit right now. This is giving me some great benefit. I shared with you uh, probably a couple of months ago, but I'll, I'll just share with you this testimony. Um, I was uh, working full-time for this ministry. I was making about $400 a week. It was not enough to take care of my wife and three kids and, and rent and that, all that other stuff. just wasn't enough. Um, I, was, I didn't want to go back to the old industry at that time, uh, but I wanted to find a place where I could you know, make some extra money. So I asked around. I said, listen, I'm available for, for work in ministry, so in case of anything, let me know. Uh, I got an opportunity to work for two months for Promise Keepers as as what you would call, I guess, a liaison, to go to pastors' church, or churches and pastors and just tell them about the upcoming event. So I did that for two months. And after two months, they laid me off. So I, I, just, I just had a, the peace of God. I said, Lord, I know you'll provide. The same way you provided here, you'll also provide something else. And as soon as they find me, the next morning, they re-upped me for another two months. And that was a little frustrating for me. I said, you know, I'd rather have something full-time, but let me stick with this. I stayed the other two months. At the end of the two months, they fired me again. Not fired, laid me off because th they didn't have the budget for it. But then after that, they re-upped re for two more months. So, so far, I'm going through this for six months. Lord, that's no, because we, we actually work. We were partners in that. And after six months, they laid me off again. So I'm thinking, you know, this is not a good way to take care of family. You know, uh, I'm not used to this. I'm used to getting something solid every, every week. You know, I like that check at the end of the week. Just me. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you like living off the cliff, you know. <laughs> I just like having it. 
steady, something steady. So, after six months, they re-upped re uh, another two months, and then another two months, and then another. This went on for 14 months. 14 months. Now, if I wouldn't have stuck it out, I wouldn't have found out what they were ready to give me at the end of the 14 months. At the end of the 14 months, they offered me a full-time regional position. Amen. And that one was a lot of fun. And they, they also offered me uh, uh, the privilege of being the, uh, I guess what you call the event manager for the Shea Stadium event. And some of you were there. That was historic. They have 44.5 thousand men show up to that event. I used to go to Shea Stadium every week, three, four, five times a week. I knew sta Shea Stadium like if it was my house. I had to because I had to create maps. I had to do the signage. I had to receive an offering of 44,000.5 men. So I had to learn where the elevators were, how security was going to take the money. Because, you know, when you take an offering from 44.5 thousand men, that's a lot of money. Yeah, I was reading just last night, Joel Osteen, he has 38,000 members. So when he receives his offering, it's over a million dollars a Sunday. I, I think that's a pretty good offering. I also think that Brinks, Brinks shows up in the armored trucks also. So it, we had, there was a lot of logistics that we had to work on. It was so much fun. But if I wouldn't have persevered through the process, I would have never uh, gotten that experience provided for my family in that way. Uh, we helped Natalie in her schooling. It was through Promise Keepers events. You know, it, but it was during a time where I was going through, I wouldn't call it an affliction, but it was somewhat of a financial crisis. It was hard for me. And there was nothing certain. So that, that time allowed me to stretch my muscles of faith in God to stretch my muscles uh, of faith that, that there's something in me that the world needs, yes. that I can offer, that I can get remunerated, not just financially, but there's, there's an affirmation that comes with it when you, when you give of your life and, and you see the results of it. That, it was an awesome thing. Amen. So I just wanted to give you that testimony. So we can recommit to pursuing our future together with God instead of our own during times of crisis and during times of affliction. And last, we learn to depend on others. My life is more than just a one-man show. It really is. So I've learned to try my best to keep my friends or try, to try to keep my relationships. I remember that not so long ago about seven years ago when, when I decided to go back to the industry just so that we can continue to grow as a church and I don't have to draw from the church. Um, I'm not taking a, a standard salary from this church now. I, I, I make my money from somewhere else. But that's just for now. What if this church goes to 200, 300, 400? We expect that, right? I might have to come back full time. This church might have to pay me a full time salary. But at that time, um, I spoke to my wife and we made a mutual decision. It'd be better right now for the ministry for me to work outside of ministry uh, just for, you know, for the financial side of it. So I went to my friend and I said, here's my, um, my resume. Could you please pass it on to your uh, company? And he said, fine, I'll do that. All right, forgot about it. And, you know, sow in seven, yay, eight fields. You don't know which one's going to prosper, the Bible says, right? So I kept on sowing. And one day I go to Douglas Elliman Property Management. I take my resume. I go to the fifth floor. I drop it off right on a little box just outside of um, the mailroom. That's where they sent me to. Okay, I didn't meet anybody. But listen, at least I, at least I felt good. I sowed a seed. I sowed the seed. I go down to the first floor. On my way out, I get a call. Hello? Yes, this is so-and-so from Douglas Elliman. This is Douglas Elliman. Yeah, I'm, I'm here sitting down reading your resume. I'm going, just dropped it. How quick can it be? What, did he jump on it and read it? Is he a speed reader? 
So I said, okay, you know, it just happens that I'm downstairs in your lobby. So, oh, great, because we had a, super, a, 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 a situation that arose. Um, the superintendent and the handyman just dropped off. And I see in your resume that you could manage a building. We'd like for you to go there and babysit it temporarily, and then I'll see what you're made of. I went, I'm on it. So I went to the building, looked at it, uh, and babysat it for two months. Anything that happened to it, I babysat it. After two months, they offered me a full-time position as the resident manager of that building. But what's the interesting thing is when I look back, I was still trying to decipher how in the world, how quickly, or how this guy was able to get my resume so quickly because I only dropped it off on the fifth floor. What happened was is that when I gave my resume several weeks ago to my friend, my friend handed it over to one of the people in the same company because he works for that company. And invariably, it got to his hands on his desk. And at the right time, opportunity met, bam, the seed. So I sowed the seed, and at the right opportunity, the seed bore fruit. So it wasn't my resume that I dropped off on the fifth floor. It was my friend that helped me you know, get that connection. So it's important that we understand that we need to depend on others. I can never get so big and bad that I don't need anybody. On the contrary, we need people. Say to your neighbor, we need each other. We really do. So it allows me to give up what I am at the moment in order to be able to receive all that I could become. Moments of affliction, moments of adversity. I can tap into the invisible because sometimes there's no earthly answer, so you have to tap into the invisible. You learn during times of crisis, during times of adversity, so I could do the seemingly impossible. I can trust God's resources since I am limited. And, my challenge, and, and our challenges, or my challenges, many times are larger and stronger than my abilities and resources at the moment. So I can trust God's resources. Normally, we don't start trusting God until we're going through an affliction. Unfortunately, that's the way we are as human beings. We trust ourselves. We trust our abilities. But when we go through an affliction, that's when we learn and we dig in and we realize there's a lot more inside of us and there's a greater... Um, how can I say, aspect of drawing from God's anointing when we decide to do so. And usually we decide when our necks up to here. Oh, I'm drowning, Lord, help! <laughs> That's when we call out for help sometimes. Continue, we can learn to continue when discouraged. For where there is no faith in the future, there is no power in the present. So I have to have faith in the future. Amen. And sometimes adversity reminds me, my God, what am I doing? I can trust Almighty God even in this situation. And lastly, I can attract winners because overcomers draw big people. So when I'm trusting God, I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm going to attract others to me of, this, of a similar ilk. When I talk faith to people, sometimes they don't understand it. When I talk, you know, big dreams and, and hopes and desires to people, some, it's, they're, oh, okay, that's nice. All right, okay, see you later. It's like it doesn't, it doesn't hit their heart. But sometimes I speak to men and women of faith and they respond to me, oh, I got a live one here. We could talk vision together. We could talk faith together. We could talk big things together. And that's what I'm expecting for this church. I look at our current situation, but I see a future situation. Amen. I remember when the Lord spoke to the founding pastor of this ministry. He said, Victor, I saw in a vision um, that I'm supposed to hand over the ministry to you. The Lord said to pass it on to you. I was looking at a church, and it was large. It was a lot of people, and especially a lot of young people. I spoke a lot about young people. And the place was packed all the way to the back. And there were people from all different nationalities. And I looked and I didn't see you. And I, and I said, Lord, where, uh, where is Victor? He says, well, look in the altar. He's the pastor. 
That was the word that God gave him. And so a couple of months or a couple of weeks later, he passed the ministry to me. And so I'm looking at that prophetic picture. I remember when we went through that, the fire, we went through the scenario where we had to move to the Bronx. I was going through a, a, an adversity, a crisis, a personal emotional crisis. And, and I was sitting down uh, uh, in my living room and I remember uh, God uh, having somebody call me and tell me, uh, you know, the Lord just told me to pray for you. So I was praying for you. And then he said to give you a message. And the message was that wherever you go, he'll bless you. But if you remain, there's still a people that God wants you to shepherd. I said, okay, thank you. And then I remember I was, um, we were hosting Prophetess Cindy Jacobs and we were taking her out. My wife was with us. I think Jose and Isabel were with us and we were just hosting her. We, she was downtown in Times Square showing her the place and you know, just having her enjoy a moment in New York. She always comes, prophesies and leaves. Prophesies and leaves. But you know, today or that day we were just letting her enjoy New York City. And as she's in the front with her team and the guys and the ladies are in the front, I'm just there observing, making sure everything's okay. And suddenly I get a call. Hi, this is so-and-so from Puerto Rico. You don't know me. The Lord woke me up at 7 in the morning or 5 in the morning. I forgot. It was early. And the Lord said, tell my servant Victor Nazario in New York City that I haven't told him to complain while I put him through the process. Because I'm taking him to a place. There's going to be a new place that I'm taking him to and the congregation to where there's going to be a large harvest there. And then and she says, the Lord, show her the fruit that we're going to eat. It was huge fruit. They said, what is that, Lord? I said, that's the fruit that they're going to have in the new place. And I'm talking, I mean, my jaw's on the floor. Because how did she know I was complaining? How did she even know my name? I didn't know her. But then she told me, she said, I don't know you. The Lord gave me your name. The Lord told me to call New York City to find you and to get that message over to you. So I was just obedient. I had to find your number and call you. I went, oh, well... Thank you. I, I didn't know how to respond to the lady. And so then I hung up, and I'm, I'm, like, I'm like this. I'm in pain. Because the reason why I'm, I'm in pain is because I'm embarrassed now. <laughs> Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, who made the Milky Way. <laughs> Inside, understand where I'm going through. I had to stop business a moment to just say, Hey, son, will you stop it already? But this is how we get sometimes. We become knuckleheads. And we get caught on our present moment, not understanding our God is, is a God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's working already the tomorrow, or rather, He already worked out the tomorrow for you. You just need to trust the today. I got a very quiet crowd today. <laughs> and, and, and I'm in pain because now I am absolutely embarrassed because this is the second time the Lord is using people to talk to me because I was in a serious funk. Oh, yeah, yeah, I wasn't a funk. I was really, really, uh, I, I was, I was, I wouldn't use the word paralyzed because I, I, I learned how to function and learned how to do what I need to do in the midst of adversity. But I had a great sadness, a great overwhelming sense of, 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 of sadness. Yeah, I, I don't know how to call it. It's almost like I was going through a mourning process. It's all heaviness. It's like I was a, in a depression of sorts. I was grieving. And then, boom, I get this. So I'm like that. And suddenly everybody just turns around after they notice I'm not with this. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Keep on going. Keep on. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember that. I had to. I, <laughs> I didn't know how to explain it because I didn't know my, myself what I was going through. But I, I realized now it was an affliction I was going through. But during the process, it helped me to grow. 
during the process helped me to break through into a level of faith and confidence in God that even though I might, in my, my current circumstance I might be going through something, I know on the flip side of it, I know there's going to be great victory. So I continued. Adversity, it means tightness, trouble. It could be an adversary. It could be affliction, anguish, distress, tribulation. All of that could create that atmosphere of adversity. Uh, another verse in the book of Isaiah uh, says it's similar. It says it's a narrow, tight place, an opponent. You know, in, in, in um, Psalms, the, there's, there's a pastoral psalm. The Lord is my I shall not want. He leadeth me green pastures. But a little later on he says, Yea, even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And I shared this before, but it just, I just were, was reminded of that. That's an actual place in Israel somewhere. Where there's two mountainous areas that cover most of the sun, and it's a really tight area. So when, when the pastor's got to go from one side to the other, take the sheep... He has to line them up one by one. Yes. And so as they get into that place, they lose the sun. It's a dark place. You can't turn around. So you can only forge forward or go backwards. But as soon as one goes through, the other's behind them. Uh, so they cannot go back anymore. It creates a shadow. And, and it's, it's ominous. It's scary. You don't know how long it is. You, you, you can't see the other side. So they hear the pastor's voice. And he keeps on calling them. He keeps on telling them to go forward. And as long as they hear the pastor's voice or their shepherd's voice, they keep on going and they get to the other side. Even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So we get to that place also. Where we're, going through, we're going through moments where we don't see the light at the, the flip side of the tunnel. But we can confide as long as we hear the voice of God, the word of God, the promises of God. And that's where adversity takes us. It takes us to that place where we die to self in terms of confidence in our own abilities, and now we go for the bigger picture. We learn to trust God. So here, here it is. Adversity, therefore, could be summed up as it could be an adversary, somebody coming against you, distress. It could be something that is close. It brings you to, into a tight place. You feel that, oh. but believe me, there's a way out. Say to your neighbor, there's a way out. So some principles regarding adversity. Hidden within your adversarial situation, there are seeds of wisdom and blessing. A good example is Joseph. Joseph was in the prison, and he was innocent. But yet he trusted God, and from the prison, God promoted him as he used God's wisdom in the prison place. If he would have got into a funk in prison, and he would have stopped prophesying, if he would have stopped uh, seeking God, if he would have stopped trusting God, if he would have stopped meditating on the word of the Lord, he would have never got out of prison. But in prison, he prophesied to the butcher and the baker, and it was that very act of continuing to hear God and to allow God to flow through him that took him from the prison to uh, the palace. You have Daniel. Daniel, at one point, they were going to, the next morning, they were going to chop his head off because the, the king wanted some wisdom. He wanted some active, accurate, prophetic uh, description of a dream he had. And none of the magicians could tell him. So he says, okay. These guys are not true magicians. They're not really uh, uh, powerful in these areas. So they're, they're fakes. So chop all their heads off. And Daniel and his friends asked for one night. Let us, give us just one night. We'll have the word of the Lord for the king tomorrow. And they fasted and prayed. And God gave them a word. And they shared the word of the Lord. And from that moment, he went from a lowly a slave, as it were, 
to like the right hand to the king, the advisor to the king. And he was able to serve three kings. This man, Daniel, had a long, illustrious ministry in the Pharaoh's court. In Pharaoh's court. So some of you are in Pharaoh's court. Some of you need the prophetic in the courtroom. Some of you need the prophetic in the hospital. Some of you need the prophetic in the educational sector. And, and on and on. Or, or maybe, the, you know, in, in your case, where, where you're dealing with law, or, where you bring in order to a community, you need the prophetic, you need the wisdom of God. So, that's one of the areas. Hidden within, within your adversarial situations, there are seeds of wisdom. Two, God renews our strength when we trust and wait upon Him. We shall mount wings as eagles. We shall be able to fly in the midst of a challenge to our strength. We know in the natural that the more we exercise, what happens to our body? It gets chiseled, it gets strong. You're able to endure more. Same thing in the spirit. Same thing as we uh, trust God and work our spiritual muscles uh, in times of uh, crisis and adversity. We can expect a release of miraculous power during the day of battle. Uh, Moses at the Red Sea. What happened with Moses? It was not until his back was against the proverbial wall that the power of God was manifested in an impossible situation. Have we seen impossible situations in our lives? Anybody here? Absolutely. Absolutely. In my own life, I've been in seemingly impossible situations and each and every time God has shown me uh, some of the best miracles I've experienced in my life have been in the moments of seemingly impossible scenarios or situations. I love it. <clears throat> I remember one time, this was when we were much younger, my wife and I, um, I was out of work um, and I was looking for work. Man, I, nothing would open up. And then I just got a spirit of faith on me. I remembered. I told my wife, honey, I'm going to go for work. And you know what I did? I went to a room. I got on my knees. And I said, Lord, I've done everything I know how to do. I've sent out resumes. I've done whatever I could. Nothing has opened up. So, Lord, I release it to you. I need a miracle from you. I need a miracle immediately. You said in your word to ask, and we will receive. And right now, I receive a miracle. And I just, I just I felt the breakthrough, but yet nothing happened. But I just felt it. So I, I, I got up confident. I said, honey, I got that job. And that was a Tuesday. And on Friday, I called up a guy who I had called before. He said there was nothing. I called him and says, it's Victor, I'm ready for the job. Oh, no, no, I, I was operating in a spirit of faith here. I really had a confidence. It was a supernatural. You know, you have the gift of faith from time to time. I, I, I know what that is. I've experienced that from time to time. So I'm ready for my job. So the guy calls me. He says, well, uh, come over to my office. So I went. It was raining. I mean, you see this? It was like this by the time I got there. <laughs> so I got there. I'm drenched. But I said, I've got a spirit of faith on me. So I, I'm sitting there. I says, all right, where, where are you sending me? I got the job. I, says, I don't know. man. You're too young for the job. I, I, I'm you know, that's available. I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't, I, and he started fighting with his own self. Never seen that in my life. The weirdest interview in the world. This guy, was that? He didn't understand. No, he didn't. He, that's exactly right. He felt compelled, but he didn't know. And he was a nasty man. Really, just a cigar smoking, cursing. I mean, just a nasty man. But yet, this is the man God used. <laughs> he says, before I change my mind, get out of my office. Come back Monday morning and be ready, 8 o'clock. And then with the effings and this and that, I said, okay, I'll see you Monday morning. 
So Monday morning, I, I, I don't know if it was me alone or me and my wife, we're in a car and he's talking to me. He says, you better watch out when I put you in that building with the maids and everybody else. And all I'm going, what in the, what's the matter with this guy? You don't know me. <laughs> and talking to me that way. But yet God used that man. It blew me away how he, he just, see this building, this is yours. 280 Park Avenue South. He just threw me there. Brand new, no interview with any board of directors, no interview with the sponsors. God gave me a supernatural open door. And the reason why I'm saying it's supernatural, watch this, watch this, is because a couple of months ago, I had spoken to a friend of mine and told him, listen, I'm looking, so in case you hear anything, he called me up, he says, listen, my building's available. A building called the Octavia, Midtown Manhattan. Because I got a new job and a nice new place. Increase of salary and everything, that's great. So I tried to go for the Octavia. So a week after I'm here working, I call back my friend, listen, thank you for the offer, uh, but I got a new place, so I don't, I don't need that anymore, but thank you, I really appreciate it. He said, what'd you get? He said, I got 280 Park Avenue South. He says, wow, you know what happened with me? Remember the building I told you that I was going for, that they had given me? It was 280 Park Avenue South. But something happened, the door closed suddenly, and then my old job, the Octavia, the Octavia told me, well, just stay with us, we'll give you a raise in a better apartment. That's why I'm saying this was supernatural because the door wasn't open because there was already somebody that had been hired for the position. And suddenly they were taken off and I was given the position. I mean, you, 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 you're not in a party uh, atmosphere today. You're not getting this. You, you don't understand how God can operate in your situation in a heartbeat. So I've seen these situations, and it's always been when I'm at the end of my rope, and I say, you know, there's no more options. See, but I'm, when I say that, I'm limiting myself. I'm limiting myself because my Heavenly Father has an unlimited a number of options that He can maneuver at any given time because He's God. He can create doors where no door exists. Forget about open doors. He can create doors where no doors exist. Hallelujah. Amen. So adversity renews our strengths. We can also expect that release of miraculous power. Adversity brings us to a fuller understanding of our weapons of warfare that are mighty through God. Unity, prayer, the prayer of agreement, no weapon formed against us, speaking against the mountain. Some, there are times I've had to speak against the mountain. I say, oh God, remove the mountain, and I, I hear my spirit speak to the mountain. Declare, prophesy against that mountain. Tell it to be removed. Sometimes you just have to use your authority. Yep. Nothing happened when I said, well, say it again. Just keep on standing on that. Remember one time Jesus spoke to the fig tree and nothing happened? Yep. Seemingly. When they came back the next day, the fig tree had dried up. Oh, Lord, look, the tree that you spoke to yesterday, today is showing the manifestation of the words you spoke against it. See, so our, we have power in our words. Adversity exposes our current mindsets and destructive behaviors and allows us to see where we need to change. That's another thing that adversity does. It exposes the areas that we need to mature in. Adversity weeds out the whiner and brings out the winner in you. Hallelujah. Any whiners in this place? Hallelujah. God wants, <laughs> God wants to shift you from whiner to winner. Hallelujah. Even though we go through adversity, remember that he has already blessed us so that we can be a blessing. Remember when God blessed Abraham? 
So I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So I'm blessed through Abraham because I have the same faith as Abraham. So I'm blessed through him. So that blessing also falls on me. Whoever blesses me, God will bless. Whoever curses me, it's going to go right back on them. So I don't have to be worrying about what people are saying about me. All I have to do is just stand and honor God and stand for God, stand with God, and not worry about those curse words that come that way because they go dunk and fall down. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm, talking, I'm talking to you here. It's a, it's a good word. You need to understand that. As you go through adversity, understand it's a fixed fight. I don't mind fight, uh, fighting Tyson if it's a fixed fight. Yeah, that's right. I'll be very bold if it's a fixed fight. You can't touch. You can't handle this. That's right. <laughs> I, 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 I won't mind. Oh, yeah. If, it's, if I knew it was a fixed fight. If we sat down and made a solid ironclad contract that he wasn't going to hit me with all of his might and he was going to go down in the second round. Oh, I'll, I'll be bold because I know it's a fixed fight. Sometimes we don't act like if it's a fixed fight. Are you consistently overcoming adversity or is adversity consistently overcoming you? Remember, Satan doesn't attack you. He attacks your purpose and destiny. Doesn't care about you. He cares about the trouble you can cause. <laughs> he cares about who God called you to be. That, that, that strong prophetic voice in this generation. He wants to stifle that. He wants to shut that down. So he'll send adversity your way for the, for the purposes of shutting you down. I don't care about you. As a human, you're nothing. We're puny. We're here today, gone tomorrow. But the legacy we can leave? Oh, you better watch out. You have to learn to encourage yourself in the Lord. See, there comes a time in all of our lives. And this is a sticking point with many Christians. We learn to trust in the church. We learn to trust in the pastors and the ministers but we don't learn to trust our relationship with God. And God will take each and every one of us individually, invariably, into that place where we have to fight for ourselves. And we have to uh, develop that personal trust in God and relationship with God and that fight. There's a, there's a personal fight that he wants to, that he wants to give us. Because there are times where, you, you know, you're not going to get me on the cell phone. It's on mute right now. You're not going to get me. Really, some of you have called me and I haven't responded right away. And yet, you, you felt, man, I need the pastor now. I need that super califragilistic espialidocious prayer now. You know, that, 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 that prayer with a little extra engine on it. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? Well, I, I don't need just a prayer. I need a prayer with some tongues in it or something like that. With some power. <laughs> that type of prayer. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? And the worst thing in the world is when you don't get it. Because you have no, en no energy for yourself. You're like, I'm just going to die. I'm going to call Minister McDowell and she better be on the phone. She just better pick it up. I'm just going to die. <laughs> you have reached Migdalia Torres. I am not here in the moment, nor am I going to be. So you better learn to fight your own fight. Have a nice day. <laughs> you know, <laughs> seriously, that has happened to me so many times. So, so I learned to encourage myself in the Lord like David encouraged himself in the Lord. Amen. So adversity brings you back to the secret place for healing and restoration. 
That's when you'll be healed. Because when you de depend on mommy's faith or daddy's faith, it's not, it, it only goes so far. I like Star Trek. Anybody here like Star Trek? Yeah. And I like those ships because of all the stuff that they have. I also like the fact that if a ship gets next to it and the ship is smaller and, and can be protected, they can send their, their protective covering. What do they call it, hon? The shield, right? They can send their shield over the other ship and protect it. Isn't that cool? And attract the beam and, and protect us. So if the enemy shoots at them, it can't do it because there's a shield. Yeah. We don't have that. <laughs> you can't get close to me. Suddenly I go, <laughs> and suddenly <laughs> I see. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't have that. <laughs> I can try, but it doesn't work. <laughs> None. I, I get nothing. <laughs> so we have to trust. We have to learn to trust in the Lord. Maybe I, I should do it a little more. Maybe a little stronger. I, 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 something will come out. <laughs> Amen. Well, adversity. Very, very important. Also, we need to understand that adversity came to pass. We, we have times of peace, but we also have times of war. And people on a global scale, we're in a time of war. Yes. You really need to wake up. Some of us are walking around, you, 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 you just you tiptoe through the tulips with me. Hi. You just, uh, you, 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 you're, you're like walking with Barney. I love you, you love me. And it's, it's like, it's, no, I'm serious. I look at some of you and you just, everything's nice in the world. No, we're in a time of war. Really. It, it, and, and that thing is in the spirit realm. So it manifests itself in every scenario. We have to be very careful. But understand, war only lasts a certain amount of time. So your crisis, your adversity will only last a certain amount of time and then it dies off. And you move on. You move on to your time of peace. And after a time of war, if you did the right thing during your time of war, you'll come out to a good time of peace, a time of prosperity. If you don't handle your war time right, you might extend your war time. Don't have to. You don't have to. You need to know how to handle your time of war so you could get back to the time of peace quicker. And remember that your, your battle is not against people. We read that before. Learn to use your armor. You can expect to win every battle. In 1 Samuel 17, 46, This day the Lord will deliver you to my hand. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Now, what I am saying is you might not see it as a win, but out of every battle you could pick up a win. Yes. What might seem as a loss, uh -uh, it, that was just one of the many battles. But the ultimate, you'll win it. Right. God will cause even the bad things to turn around for good for you. Right. Even in times of loss, you could come out with gain. Thank you. Amen. There were people that when the market went down, they had the discernment to go, through con to go and buy contra stocks. They bet against the stock market. They bet against the Dow Jones. They bet against the Nasdaq. And they became millionaires. Because they sensed the timing. Whereas most people were sleeping, walking with Barney. <laughs> These guys were discerning and they were putting their chips in the right place. And then when it bottomed out, they went and then it started investing in the stocks again. As it went again, they made more millions. I wish I would have knew at that time. Oh, what I would have given for that. Really? No, now I'm watching it like a hawk. 
I'm learning what is a conscious stock. I'm learning the value of gold and silver and, and agriculture and all these other things. I'm putting a little here, a little there, and I'm watching it like a hawk. This time, if, once it happens, I don't want it to catch me unaware. We're aware of his devices by God's Holy Spirit. Remember last week, I'll tell you, the Holy Spirit, the teacher, the one that gives us wisdom, the Holy Spirit will give you wisdom as you develop that relationship with the Holy Spirit. So times of affliction and crisis will bring you into a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit. And there you can hear God and the Holy Spirit will give you direction. Go this way, do this, wait on me. Uh, sometimes God will tell you, just wait, wait for a season, stand with me a while. And then you see it later on, what God was doing. There was something that was brewing for your benefit, but it wasn't ready yet. You have to wait for, it, for the, the fruition of the time. Don't you hate it when you're hungry and the meat that you're cooking takes like an hour? Me either. Sometimes, you know what I'll opt to do if I'm hungry? I'll just, I'll just make something quick. I'll just whip up some spaghetti and, and like, like a, maybe a quick meat sauce or something, right? Yuck, that's one of the most delicious things in the world. What are you talking about? Good spaghetti with a little meat sauce, little, little melted cheese on top of it, a little garlic bread. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about when I don't want to wait. But if I want to wait, if I want to wait, then, then, then I may do those, the crock pot. I'll put some nice beef in the crock pot. And just let that thing crock pot for about four hours, six hours, eight hours. Right? And then, the, and then the meat just pulls right off the bone. Just, just, just. <laughs> Vera, Vera give, me, give me a cup of tea and some bread or something. <laughs> and, and we come to realize that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Truly, it's in times, it, times of adversity where we realize the power of that verse. We also realize we're surrounded by angels. There are times when angels protect us. We're not even aware of it. Angels protected us from danger. They, they, whatever they do, they do well. And we have angels that encamp around about us each and every day. Adversity reveals our maturity level. Ecclesiastes 7.14 says, Enjoy prosperity whenever you can. And when hard times strike, realize that God gives one as well as the other so that everyone will realize that nothing is certain in this life. So we'll enjoy times of prosperity, but we'll also enjoy hard times. It comes to all of us. So God promises us, they'll happen. And in that time, it'll allow us to realize some things. I'm telling you, I was so smart when I was a teenager. I was such a genius. <laughs> Until I started going to some affliction. Then I started realizing, oh, you mean it's not like this. My perspective changed when I went through adversity. And I started realizing, oh man, I could have handled that better. I could have handled, oh, I definitely could have handled this better. Proverbs 24.10. I like, I, I, I read two different versions of, of this particular uh, scripture. And I wanted to share both of them with you. If you falter in times of trouble, how small is your strength? Proverbs 24.10 in the Living Bible says, if you are a poor, or rather, you are a poor specimen if you can't stand the pressure of adversity. I, I mean, that's serious. <laughs> and that's the word saying that. So, you know, we expect to go through processes and through trials and tribulations, through adversity. But if 
we run away every time, then we're poor specimens. Poor specimens of what? Poor specimens of what? Well, you answer that. I know according to the spirit realm, the enemy expects a fight. He expects a fight because he knows we're warriors. And when he hits us, we just, we crumple up on the floor. (laughs) Mommy. He's going to go, that's a weak one. All right, we got that one easy. No, he expects us to stand because the word says so. And he'll throw it at us, actually expecting us to be able to stop all the darts. Because he knows it's in scripture. But he's always sending his, you know what, his emissaries because he's trying to look for a hole. He's trying. Don't give him a hole. Don't give him access. Stop him each and every time. Adversity reveals what and who you believe in. Examples of people. You got a man like Moses. Moses against the Red Sea. During times of great failure, or what Pharaoh thought was a great failure, turned out to be one of the greatest moments of victory in the history of Israel. What do you think? Was that a great victory? I mean, I love just seeing the Ten Commandments, the movie. Just to get to that moment, you know, where, you know, Charlton Heston with that beard, he takes that rod and he says, Today you will see the glory of God. (laughs) You know, it just, it moves me. My hair stand on end to just think, wow, that must have been such a cool moment in history. No, none of you think about that. You just look at your... Not me. It blows me away. But yet it came during a time of seeming failure. Everybody look at him. Okay, Moses, what are we going to do? We're again, our backs against the wall. Pharaoh's on his way. You took us out of here to die. Actually, they said that. They were angry about him. Someone wanted to stone him. Some people would get angry. They want to stone you. And Moses, he looked up to God and God said, use what's in your hand. What about Abraham? Abraham, you know, God told him, I'm blessing you with a son. He gets a son. He's loving his son. And suddenly, suddenly, God tells him, give me your son now. But God, didn't you say? But no, he trusted God. He trusted God. He went through the process and God delivered him. And it's just a prophetic moment. God wanted to take his trust level to a higher level. Higher level, and he'll do it with us also. He'll bring us to opportunities for our trust level to go higher and for him to see where you're at because he wants to take you further. Anytime God's ready to use you in a mighty way, he'll take you first through a process like that. So don't be amazed. Oh, God, why are you doing this to me? I was so happy. I was praising God. Sunday, I was, I was worshiping. I was dancing unto your presence. Why are you going to send me this persecution now? Because son, daughter, I want to use you at a higher level. So I want you to get used to a higher devil, a bigger devil. I want you to learn how to operate at this level. Because they're going to come against you. But I trust you. But I just want to see if you're ready for this level. It It takes me to Job. You know, Job went through a situation that God ordained. But yet if you look at it in the natural... I mean, he, he, was, he was struck with boils, with sores in his body. They killed his children. Uh, they took his money away. They took his homes away, his cattle. Rendered poor. I mean, busted and broken, disgusted and sick. 
And then to top it off, his friends go to him, sit down and start talking with him and say, well, you got to have sin on you because this wouldn't happen if you didn't have sin on you. There must be something in your life. You got to have something wrong because God would not do this if there wasn't something wrong. He hated his life. His own wife went up to him and says, dude, why don't you just curse God and die already? (laughs) That's pretty bad when your wife says that. Read the story. It's terrible. But yet in the heavenlies, Satan comes up to the presence of God and God says, have you considered my servant Job? Man of God, choose evil, righteous. And so, so the devil said, well, of course. You've protected him. You, he's protected all about. You've blessed him. Anybody would praise you that way. But if you take away his stuff, he'll curse you to your face. The accuser of the brethren. That's one of his titles. And God says, well, take it, take it away. Watch, he'll still praise me. God had such confidence in his boy that he knew that even if the stuff was taken away, he'd still praise him. That he was still, you know, and that's exactly what Job did. That was one of the greatest moments of pride in heaven, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what to call it. But just such a confidence that, that God had in that man and his righteousness and his, and his relationship with him. And at the end of the day, God restores everything to him, double. And then God tells the three men that were criticizing him all along, he said, listen, by the way, um, if he doesn't pray for you, you're going to be in trouble. So they had to come and ask him forgiveness, and he had to pray over them so that they'd be in right standing again. You see what I'm saying? And my wife and I, we were talking yesterday how many times in ministry we're misunderstood or people get angry at us and they get upset at us and and how we've had to walk through these things. And and we we have to be okay with that. We have to go through these processes and learn that human beings, you know, we'll, we'll make mistakes with each other, we'll mess up with each other, we'll sometimes say things off base. We have to be at the place like Job. We still trust God. We still trust that everything's going to be okay at the end of the day. And, and you see Joseph, Joseph went through a pit, and the way to the palace was the pit for him. So in each and every case, adversity, people seemingly lost things before going in and achieving credible victories. Look what God did in the process. What are you going through right now? Isn't it a divine setup? Say to your neighbor, it's just a divine setup. Everything we lose while we serve God, we really never lose it. When we apparently lose something in the kingdom of God, it's a temporary situation because God will replace it with something better and He'll replace it 100 fold. 100 fold. I'll read that verse. Peter said to him, We've left everything to follow you. He says, I'll tell you the truth, Jesus replied. No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields and with them persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. See, so God says that what do we lose here for His glory? We'll get it back here. But we'll also get eternal life. No, it's not just we're losing all for eternal life. No, God will bless us with a restoration of things here. So whatever you lost, you really didn't lose. Hallelujah. Possessing the right attitude is a powerful weapon of warfare. I'm starting to wind down. So take responsibility for how you are going to respond to life's challenges. My attitude turns my problems into opportunities. 
Decide and talk and walk like your prophetic picture no matter what. What is your prophetic picture? What do you see? What has God breathed in you? What, what have you seen in dreams, in visions? What have you sensed in your heart that, wants, that God wants to do in your heart, in your life, through you? Develop a gold medal attitude. That's the attitude that, that takes it, that, you know, the gold medal usually is won by one millimeter, by one second. It, you know, that's the difference between the gold and the silver. Do your absolute best. Take it to the next level. And God will reward that. God will see that. And in the midst of a multitude of people, God will pick that up in you and raise you up. Hallelujah. Have the right attitude as you enter every season of life. Humility, appreciation, gratitude. Adjust your attitude every single day. That's also important. Because if I adjust my attitude every single day, I will be in the right... You know a, a, a plane? You know what they do, right? They take off, and then what's the next thing they do? Once they're up in the air. Hmm? Okay, they're, they're right now on cruising altitude. What, do, what does the pilot do? He wants to get to, let's say, California from here. What does he do? Even before that. Yeah, there's a steering. He programs the coordinates. Exactly. There's a programming that takes place. You, the plane doesn't know where it's going. So, yeah, they, they need to create their flight path, and then they could put the autopilots and stuff like that. But this is what the plane does. This is what the plane does. The plane constantly... Every couple of seconds adjusts. Yeah. It doesn't just say, okay, a point one, 102, point 0.6. No. It's constantly adjusting. You even feel it. Sometimes you're, you're there and so you, you hear a lot of noises, right? Uh, a lot of noises. Too many noises. Yeah. Then you get buffeted with a wind. You feel the plane go like that. And it, it gets right back. Then you feel it go like that. And sometimes you, but it, it continually adjusts itself. Flaps are continuously going. Micro adjustments constantly throughout the whole trip. Same thing in our, in our Christian life. And every day we should be micro adjusting. Daily disciplines to meditate on my future instead of the past, instead of problems. Do you listen to your self-talk? Do you adjust your self-talk every day? What you're thinking in your mind? When you start going to the negative posture, do you shift it? Or do you just go with it? When you get angry, do you adjust that? Or you just go with it? Oh, just the way I am. You know, if you don't like it too bad. Tafrail papa. The Spanish word for it. Go bake some potatoes or something. Otherwise, I don't care. Get out of here. Right? Honestly, some people like that. But you learn to adjust every day. I'm adjusting. I'm not going to release my anger and to this degree, I'm going to allow God to move in my situation, in my scenario. Another thing we could do is see the good in everything. Even in bad things, there's good. See the best in every situation. See the potential in any situation. Remember, God orders our steps. So even though we're going through the hard time, God is ordering our steps even there. Remember that God turns everything around for our good. Practice, practice an attitude of gratitude every day. And remember, things will happen. It's not what happens in me, but it, it's, what I, how I, it's how I respond to what happens that makes the difference. Amen. Hallelujah. I like that. Because things happen, but it's how I respond that makes a difference. And in conclusion, I, the, the word closing is there. 
Everybody started smiling. See, now you're smiling and you're happy. Uh, I knew it. I, I knew you were going to do that. I hate when you do that. Every time I go, in conclusion, suddenly everybody just wakes up. One of the, one of the sisters was like, I said, in conclusion, she went, oh, glory. <laughs> All right. Okay. So let's, let's land the plane then. Let's land the plane. Let us allow adversity to fuel the dream and vision that God has given us instead of allowing the enemy to divert us from the godly destiny that our Heavenly Father has provided for us. Remember that when we win, our families, children, and grandchildren all win with us. Hallelujah. Amen. So your prophetic picture, has it been pushed aside because of adversity? No, bring it back. Bring it back. God is with you. Say to your neighbor, God is with you. In the good times. In the bad times. In times of adversity. So our relationship with God need not change just because you're going through a hard time. I'm going through a hard time, so I give myself permission to just, wow, that's it. You know, I just, what I mean, wow, means that the words start coming out, the anger starts coming out, you know. That's it. Not going to go back to the Lord. I'm leaving the Lord. They told me that if, if, if I serve God, everything will be all right. Well, whoever pro- preached that to you is incorrect. Because we'll all go through difficulties, through challenges. But those challenges should make you better. They should not destroy you. He does not take the seed and crush it. What he does, he takes the grape. And he just squeezes it just enough to get the juice out. That's all he does. He doesn't crush the seed within See, the enemy wants to crush your seed. The seed is your, your future, your yes. destiny. Yes. And you, 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 know, you learn just to crush just enough just to get the wine. You know, the, 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 the good drink of the vine, so to speak. Right? But the seed is intact, so the future is there. That's what God does. He just puts enough pressure to get the greatness out. Yeah.